the podcast where we talk about whatever we want, when we want. And if you haven't looked, it is called Listen to This Shit. My name is Mel. And I'm Joan. Man, that was kind of fun, like kind of leading it in. I never get to you. Hello. Welcome, though. We are on episode four of season two. And this week's episode is about to be about... Well, it's going to be about Valentine's Day. But of course, we're doing the Galentine's special. We want to do something a little bit lighthearted, which is why we're going to talk about Euphoria first. But anyway... <laughs> and this one, with our at least with our Euphoria catch-up, it's going to be catching up on two episodes. Yes. It's so crazy that I already forgot what episode four was about. Me too. Okay, okay. Actually, I'm starting. Well, it's the birthday now. party. It's the birthday party shit because that was crazy. Yeah, because it was kind of like three different timelines. It was like Rue, Jules, and Elliot, the birthday party with Maddie and her girls, and then Cal. Yeah, that like... was <laughs> that was insane. That episode was crazy. You know, I saw this one theory, and I think ever since hearing this theory i actually like season two a little bit more now and hear me out the season two is spicy the theory is is that season one has all the teenagers like tackle their addictions more or less and then season two they all relax true and so i'm like okay when you put it in those terms i get it now like i get it and honestly you know what's so funny on <laughs> I just love how watching Euphoria, like I just sprint to TikTok after watching and like, hearing everyone's like different takes. What do you think has been the worst Euphoria take you've seen so far? Uh that they like Cassie and they understand her. Like I get what they were trying to say that they understand it's her daddy issues or whatever. I'm sorry, my daddy issues, because I have them, they're very bad. I've not done the fuck shit Cassie has done. I have not done that. I'm sorry. I would never. And it's the fact that she knew that Nate was abusive to Maddie and she still swooped in. I mean, granted, he's the one who like swooped up on her and she was like, oh, attention. She likes male validation. But like, where is your loyalty? Period. And for me, the worst opinion is the anti-Jules crowd. I don't know why people are so against her. I think like I like watched this one TikTok. Uh, what's her name? Anastasia Grace. Her. Mm-hmm. He just made a very poignant point. She's just like, or no, I think it was um thick black dot, not thick black dot. Someone else. She has like the glasses, like the thick rim glasses. But but basically, them two were saying the same thing, which essentially is that. Jules is literally 17 years old. So these mistakes that she's making, she's literally a teenager. You're mad because she told Jules, uh, Bruce's mom that she's on drugs. Of course, that is the responsible thing to do. And y'all are mad about that? Y'all are mad? Because they're more upset about the her fucking cheating on Brew. But like, baby, I think having a, a $10,000 suitcase full of any drug you could imagine, it's a lot more dangerous than someone cheating. Cheating is bad, yes, but like... But for that moment, it's not It's not life or death. Mm-hmm. Well, metaphorically, it could be, but like literally we're talking life or death. And so like, people are so mad and people are like, they're dragging her, they're dragging her, she's reading her, da-da-da. she's talking that shit to her because she's withdrawing and people in withdrawal are mad mad petty they're mean they are coming for you because they're in this state so of course she's gonna come after her and hit every low ball as she can like you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like like i don't think watching it makes me realize how people are not realizing that this woman is an addict she literally is on drugs It's really interesting. I actually saw a tweet today and it was something along the lines of, yes, Rue is a character with a drug addiction, but like, watch out, like how you're talking about this because there is real addicts in your life. Like you, a lot of, you just know how people are so out of touch and never experienced any of these things by their comments about this stuff. And I guess I'm thankful for Euphoria showing the realities of all of that. Because it's really showing people's true colors. Like, what do you think of drug addiction? What do you think should be done? Like, what is this conversation? Like, I don't know. I'm seeing the true colors, though. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I mean, we could talk about episode four. I honestly don't give a shit about episode four. Like, Mm -hmm. let's talk about episode five. Because Zendaya was like, yeah, you know that Emmy I got two years ago? I'm gonna get it again. I'm gonna put my ass in this acting. Like, just from the first 10 minutes... Emmy, give it to her. 
You saw the way she broke that door? Yes, I did with her head. She said, Sam, we ain't doing another take. <laughs> it was so, for me, it was so surreal to watch. It was a high key. Okay, honestly, it was very triggering for me to watch just knowing because I have family members with a history of drug addiction. Granted, I've never seen them act like this, but just knowing, well, actually, no, I've seen people act like this. What the fuck am I talking about? Anyway, but just knowing that, like, she accurately captured that moment where you just kind of have to sit there and watch it. His mom, I mean, not his mom, her mom literally just sitting there because it comes to a point, like, what can you do? Like, how much, how much effort can you put into this? You can tell that Rue's mom is tired. She's not going to give up, but she is tired. Gia is fucking done. Like, it didn't dawn me that Gia is supposed to be like 13 or like, like, she's supposed to be like 15, like 14, 15. Yeah. And I'm like, damn like really think about like this girl is literally a couple years young like of course she's mentally checked out like (laughs) she's been dealing with this shit for how many years now i think two maybe maybe like one or two yeah so like that's it those are formative years of your life like yeah being a child like you form all these different memories and experiences but like you're like pre-teen years slash early teen years listen that fucks you up. That either makes you or breaks you. Seventh grade specifically. Don't ask me why. But yeah. No, this episode, honestly, it made me really tired watching Rue run. <laughs> Just watching her run, I felt out of breath. I was like, holy shit, you're going through a withdrawal and you're running like that? It made me so sad that she just did not give up, like give up the fight. But also with the withdrawal and like addiction, you don't give up. You want that shit. Yeah. Like that, that baby was running on pure adrenaline. You know, it's bad when the drug dealer won't give you drugs. No, but she, she had the drugs though. I'm talking about Fez. Oh, not Lori. You know, we we haven't made it to her yet. We'll we'll put a pin on her. But no, Fez. But the thing is, I think, but the thing is, Fez stopped giving Rue drugs. Oh, like a a while ago, like something happened for him to stop giving drugs to her because he does feel guilty on like enabling her. Right. Because like, and the thing is, he was even being nice about it. Like when he found her taking his grandma's drugs, he was just like, "Nah, like you gotta go." Like it was just like so instantaneous. Like, yeah. I literally saw this video about like Fez in season one. And, like, just how, like, Fez just evolved. And basically, like, Fez is the most calculated person in this show. Mm-hmm. Like, people, like, it could, it could be assumed that he's kind of slow or kind of whatever. But, like, no, like, it is very off. It's very uh, cool to see that, like, with everyone making such impulsive decisions, Fez, surprisingly, doesn't. He takes his time when making a decision. And I'm just like, man, like, I didn't really think about that. So I guess just like seeing that and it it wasn't, and it wasn't like last time, even like the filmmaking was different versus the first time um, Rue came over to get drugs where you can like, it showed his expression and showed like, you know, the battle of him, like, oh my God, like, you know, she needs help. Also she's on drugs. This time he just straight kicked her out. Nothing, nothing, Mm -hmm. like done. And then there's Ashtray like, (laughs) I mean, to be fair, like with Fez, he's literally running his grandmother's drug ring empire. Like he is a leader and honestly, a good leader at that because he's not going to let anything come in between his family and his fucking money. I would say even if Rue is his family, like he catches Rue his family, he's not going to let Rue fuck that up either. He keeps her in check. Did you see how Faye wasn't there anymore? I did notice that. She wasn't there anymore. Like, because at the end of episode four, her boyfriend came and said, like, something happened. Mm-hmm. But, like, we never we never figure out what. And then, like, when Rue went to Lori's house, I was like, you are a dumb bitch. But also, she's going through a withdrawal. She is, she is literally rock bottom. Unfortunately, she's going to fuck herself. Also, can we talk about her stealing from all these people's houses? No, but like, I think that was what was so interesting to watch was just like her like going to some random person's house. I'm like, oh my God, like what? Like, of course, like, I think it's just very interesting because like, I just think up until this point, like there really wasn't anything like indicating like her stealing or like stooping to that level. Mm-hmm. 
but at the same time like i guess it was just like oh my god like bro like she like the fact that she went she went into lexi and cassie's house stole from them then went yeah. to this random house house stole from them and made it out i don't mm-hmm. know how she made it out i don't know how she did either and like the part where she did steal from Cassie and Lexi's house, like, you know, what's bad when you're like, you know, you're down bad when you're willing to steal from people who care about you. Yeah. You know, you're down bad when you're going to do that. Also, that whole scene, I need to know what Maddie is about to do. Maddie about to molly wop Cassie. We'll get to the, did you watch the teaser? I did. Oh my god, we gotta get to that part. We got it. We're gonna we're gonna get there. Basically, with her and Lori, I'm convinced that she kept her there for days. Like, I'm convinced. Because think about it. When she wakes up, you know how many puncture holes she has in her arms? Yeah. She's a lot. Not just for one day. Like, I think she started to sex traffic her then. Perhaps. Even at the end, Rue's mom's not wearing the same outfit. She's wearing a different outfit. And like, yeah, you know, it could be like the next day, but also, I don't know. It's just, it was just, it didn't give one day. There's a lot of theories about Lori and what she wants to do with Prue. A part of me feels like human trafficking will be a thing. I don't think we'll get to see it just because of Zendaya's like whole thing about no nudity and no like really anything happening. I don't know. I don't know if she's going to get caught again. I saw metaphors for the birds. I've seen analysis on everything possible for that scene. Either way, I was very uncomfortable. Did you see Did you see the video announcing the movie on the television? Yeah. I saw that too. And I'm like, damn. And then people, and you know what's so funny? People want to sit here and say, it's just a show. It's just a show. No, Y'all are reading too much into this. What do you think media is? What do you think art is? It's the way that, okay, this is going to sound pretentious. Euphoria is not for everybody. Granted, everybody's watching it, but some people just aren't reading it correctly or interpreting it the way it should be as a piece of media and piece of art. There's some things that needs work on it, in my opinion, but I'm definitely curious to see what these next, like these last few episodes are going to be because I mean, what they're gonna do eight yeah they're already on six so they have three more episodes it's just it just it's just giving people didn't pay attention in english and learned what foreshadowing was and reading in between the lines no one paid attention because it's the way people are just like y'all are reading too much into this i'm like what the never trust like don't trust things like reading or watching a show if you don't see a body they're not dead yep that's like one of the biggest rules like if someone is killed off but you don't see their body is gone they're gonna come back listen this episode it was good and maybe and 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 honestly i feel like maybe it's only the best episode so far because sam levinson was the former drug addict so like Mm -hmm. he understands like the first like the, the point of view and like that i get and the family dynamics he wrote that really well Mm-hmm. but like when it like when he goes on to ep- other stories it doesn't it doesn't go well also the cat erasure of the season does make me a little bit upset i know i i loved cat's little stories because i could relate to her like it fucking sucks the most relatable character is gone like she's barely in it and i know it's because of beef but i'm like can y'all move past it i need some more cat in my life apparently from the rumors, Sam was going to write Cat to have an eating disorder. No. Apparently, that's what the rumors are saying. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'd be kind of a sub- upset about that, too. Because, like, why? It's a, it's so random. She literally, like, her whole character is that she lives in a fantasy world. Which Lexi already kind of does that, too. But hers is, like, internet-based. It's literally her real-life persona. Like, who she was. She was Tumblr famous. So her character was supposed to be that. And now we're not seeing it. And now she's dating in reality. Like, I would love to see that. I would love to see what she's going to do with Ethan. Is she going to break up with him? Like, probably. I don't care about Ethan. I don't either. Like, she, I remember when she was fucking that one guy the first season. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Honestly, I enjoyed it. I liked all the theories and videos and stuff. I'm definitely curious to see what's going to happen for the teaser, what the teaser is showed. Maddie is about to murk 
Nate or somebody. I don't think she's gonna kill. I don't think she's gonna kill anyone. That's true. That's what they. I mean, honestly, they were trying to lead us to believe all this crazy shit was gonna happen in this episode, like with through the teaser, and like it was the exact opposite of what everybody was theorizing. So who knows? Maybe she might just like threaten him or something. Or maybe scare him shitless. I don't know. I don't know why she's still wasting her time with him. I don't know either. I don't think. I don't think she's going to kill anyone. But I think she's going to. I think she's going to like get her revenge. But I think it's going to be like. Bro what if she like. I feel like knowing her. She would like post like her dad. His dad's videos or some shit. Or like give out. (gasps) That's what the CD was. That's what the CD was. I just remembered. Yeah. I think she's going to pull some shit like that. And guess what? She just turned 18. I mean, that's still child porn, though. Who? Jules? Yeah, I mean, if she has Jules tape, then yeah, that's technically child porn. She only released, like, something else. I don't know, but... It's going to be crazy. I'm definitely... I'm curious to see what's going on. I want to see what Rue's going to get herself into, because, you know, she escaped that house. She escaped Lori's. Mm Mm-hmm don't know i guess we'll see we will see are we gonna go on to our galentine's day special per like we said earlier this week or earlier in this episode um we are going to be talking about valentine's day one of i feel like it's one of my favorite holidays honestly i've always loved valentine's day even when i was a kid because it is a holiday of love. It doesn't even have to be romantic love. It can be platonic love, uh, love for your family. It can be all sorts of things. And like in this episode, we're going to talk about relationship lessons, things that we've learned since we're both in committed relationships, talk about our platonic love, talk about family, talk about love languages, and then like the fun stuff like music and books and movies and all these fun things that we like yes so i guess we can start with our talk about our relationships maybe we could give a little background about how we started our relationships even yeah so i met taylor six years ago at my job at lush um he was a customer he came in one night with his niece and we were just making light conversation because you know when you work in retail you got to entertain these people. But I thought he was very cute. So we were just talking and I just asked him what he was doing that night. And he literally was like, yeah, I'm just going to go get Chipotle with my niece and, you know, chill out. I'm like, wow, chips and guac sounds great. I would love that. Checks him out. Doesn't even think about it. Also, I could not hear him say his name. I thought his name was Sailor for a good three years. I'm going to be real with y'all. And I rode... I rode that wave. Um, I rode that wave pretty hard. And I literally looked over at my coworker. I said, white people really just name their kids anything, huh? So 30 minutes later, he comes back with a bag of chips and guac for me. And ever since after that, like we would literally see each other on and off for like three years. Actually, your anniversary is this weekend. So February 13th is when he uh, came into Lush one time and we were just talking and I was bold and I said, Hey, I've been seeing you for years. I would love to get coffee with you and get to know you. He's like, this sounds great. I give him my number. I learned later. It took him about like an hour to compose a message. And literally it was just hi, smiley face. It's Taylor. He was that nervous. And then we literally talked on the phone all night that night. We talked until like one or two in the morning when he asked me to be his Valentine. And then a couple of days later, he took me to the Greyhound station to, um, for me to go see my friend in Baltimore. He was the only guy that I really trusted to come over at like two or three in the morning. My cat trusted him. We kissed. It was wonderful. And now he lives with me and we talk like babies to each other. So that is my love story. <laughs> and we're coming on to three years this uh, Sunday on this, during the Super Bowl, by the way. <laughs> oh. Woo-woo. 
Okay, I guess I'll start my love story. So me and Niall met at work. We were work companions. I was in the beauty department and he was in market. And basically, I, I would say we actually got hooked up by a mutual friend who worked in the beauty section with me. Her name was Deja. And basically, we were eating Chipotle together. And she was telling me, she was like, have you talked to Niall? And I'm like, no, I, I, I've seen him, you know, around, not much. And she was like, I think you guys would be really cute together. Like, you should try and date him. And this was the time where I'm just like, I'm no guys, I'm not dating because fuck that shit. I ain't got time for it. I'm not going to do it. And so she was just like, you should go for it. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll try. So then like, I started making like more an effort to say hello to him. He started saying hi to me. And then like, we would just talk more. And then I remember we were in the back room one day and we were throwing trash by the baler and I was just asking him where he's from. He's like, I'm from Bremen. It's a small town. I'm like, oh, so there's not a lot of black people. He was like, I was the only black person. I said, same. <laughs> and like, we really bonded over that. And this was also the time where I was in Funny Girl the Musical. So like, I was hella busy at the time. And we were basically talking for like a month. And then we went on our first date. We went to Max and Irma's. And we, talk <laughs> we talked about like, what our school life was like, our interests. We both are history nerds i'm not a big history nerd like him but you know if he does tell me like a story like related to history or a figure or an event i am going to listen because that does interest me and we just talked about just like other interests like what kind of music we like he's a big gamer i'm a big like arts person you know and we just kept talking and then like on our second date i asked him to be my boyfriend because for some reason i felt like like I, I like it's like I wanted him to ask me but at the same time I was just like well I shouldn't have to wait for him like if if I ask him to be my boyfriend and he and it's either he doesn't or he does like it, you know what I mean and mm -hmm. so we were at Rising Park and um when I drove down to his house for the first time on our first date I was like where the fuck is this dude living like where the fuck am I up in the boonies and of course I went like another route where there was so many freaking curves and shit on the road and my little Honda Civic coupe oh my and God. I'm just like bro where am I and then like I first got to his house and I was just like this is just like a cute little village I guess and <laughs> like I just never I just never heard of this town before and then on our second date, we I we were walking around talking with the gazebo, and I'm like, hey, I really like you, and I want you to be my boyfriend. He was like, yeah, I would really like that. And so that's when we became a couple. Then we promptly went up to the shelter, and we made out, which was great. And then we saw Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and then we had lunch, and then we went back to the park to make out, and then I blew him for the first time, and um, I will never, ever forget his face <laughs> because it truly, it was a truly, um, what the fuck is happening right now? And he doesn't remember it. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I might cut this part. Remember. I might cut this part out, but he doesn't remember it. It literally took him out of the moment because he didn't think it was happening to him. You're going to take out the blowjob part? Yeah. <laughs> so messy. <laughs> I know, but I don't care. Okay, I was bold. I blew him. Okay. Yeah, Taylor and I did not, like, we didn't have sex until, like, maybe a month or two after because we I waited for him to get tested, and then I got on birth control. I We didn't have sex until a week later. I know you didn't. It was in the ass. <laughs> and guess what? I'm a I'm a fan of anal. What can I say? I'm a fan. I'm a fan <laughs> of anal. We don't do it often, but I'm telling you lately, as of late, it's been hitting. I couldn't tell you why. It's been hitting. <laughs> yeah. But no, um, we just celebrated our three-year anniversary in December. And we are planning to move in together, hopefully by the end of the year. I want to say it's more me than him, but like we both want to get our finances together. Mm -hmm. And like, that's our love story. I mean, obviously both our love stories are more complex than that. You're right. 
But I just want to add a little something about mine. Something really wild about Taylor and I. We both said I love you to each other at the exact same time for the first time. Like we both looked at each other and we just fucking said it. I don't know what to tell you, y'all. Also, some weird uh, thing I've noticed too. Every Pisces that I've ever liked has the same birthday as Taylor. I just want you guys to know, watch that shit. Look at that shit. Work through it. If you've dated multiple people, just keep an eye on that because there's something. <laughs> um, and fun fact about me and my me and my boyfriend, Niall, he's actually my first boyfriend ever. And I'm his third. I, I guess, I mean, I would like to, I say that I lucked out on the first try, but granted, it, there was a lot of trials and tribulations. And yeah. that was the first like relationship lesson I learned. And that I would say is that um, don't, don't waste on potential. Do not waste your time on potential because me and I'll, when we got together, obviously we were youngins. Like we were literally like 20 and 21. And so we both have these like images of what we want out of like our relationship and like what we wanted as people. And I expected him to be way more advanced. Like I, I expected him to be at my level and he wasn't. And so I felt like I had to do everything to get him to my level. And it felt like I was putting in way more work than he was. And a lesson that I had to realize is that I can't do any of this shit for him. I mean, I'm very open because we did take a break at one point. We did take a break. I genuinely felt like it was definitely needed for our relationship. And to really explore ourselves and deal how, and first of all, dealing how to be alone, not to be together, which is its own battle. And then just like truly figure out what we want out of our relationship we are definitely in a better place now the best place we've ever been honestly yeah. and it took some time but also just reiterate what do you want for yourself out of your relationships and if you see any red flags if your boundaries are being crossed don't stay for the sake of staying stay because you have time put in right like now granted my relationship is an example of that but at the same time we did grow from that now in my notes I wrote how like I related to Gabrielle Union because of this aspect and it's like the same thing with her and Dwayne Wade when they broke up at one point and then Dwayne Wade fathered a child and Gabrielle Union chose to get back with him mm -hmm. and then she accepts this child into their family and so when I, I remember like reading, like listening to that chapter and I'm like, I really relate to this. And first of all, that's why Gabrielle Union is one of my favorite people ever. And secondly, every situation is different. Oh yeah. Just because so-and-so experienced that, you know, this one thing doesn't mean that your experience is the same. I feel like the key thing is just communication. If you see that there's a problem, communicate that instead of letting it go under the rug or boil up or bottle up for a while it's all communication based and like joan was saying like set your boundaries communicate when your boundaries are being crossed don't feel forced into doing things you don't want to do but also be open to recommendations or <clears throat> you know what your partner is trying to tell you or whether it's like sexy things or if it's like life things always be open to listen doesn't mean you have to take it mm -hmm. it's, that's kind of how life works too what are your relationship lessons or do you have any I do I feel like everybody has to have some for me I'm coming out of relationships that weren't exactly good for me I'm allowed to have a good love or relationship I'm allowed to feel love I know a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people talk about this when you've been in really shitty relationships before. I've been with shitty people and, you know, you think this is it. This is all I have to deal with. Like, I don't deserve anything good. But believe it or not, we all are allowed to have good, healthy relationships. And don't let your anxiety, relationship anxiety trick you into ruining things. Obviously, this is all within reason. Like, if someone is being abusive to you, I'm sorry, they're never going to change. That is never going to change. If it's like little things because of lack of communication, talk about it and you can work. Well, that's one thing I've learned. This kind of follows into that. It's okay for conflict because um, not every relationship is sunshine and rainbows. It ebbs and flows. It goes up and down. It's never, you know, the honeymoon phase for your whole life. Mm -hmm. So there is room for conflict. There's room for discussion. Again, communication, big thing. It's still something I'm working on, 
to this day and we're gonna work on for the rest of our lives, as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, communication. Communication. I agree. I think communication is a big relationship killer. It is. Like, especially with this pandemic too. Like, can we talk about that for a moment? People's relationships during the pandemic, it either made them or broke them. Honestly, I feel like the pandemic did make me and Nas' relationship a little bit better. I, I honestly believe that because I was essentially living with him for about a month and a half, two months. No, a month that. and a half. Like, we didn't really fight. We didn't really argue. If anything, I felt like we had a lot more late night discussions of just, like, what we want out of life. Yeah. And how the pandemic was really affecting us. I mean, obviously, it was affecting me more because I literally was having, like, a nervous breakdown. It was so bad. Like, my worst mental health crisis. And so I felt like he really had to, like, pick me up. You know, like, he really picked me up. I, I think it helped us a little bit. I think it did. I know for me... I went through a lot of, I mean, I went through a lot of bad things during the pandemic from my grandmother dying literally days before the fucking lockdown. Can we talk about that? Days mm-hmm. before the lockdown mm-hmm. to losing my job, to my cat being put down, to my friend dying. Like I went through a lot of things and it was really nice to have, you know, somebody that I could just be with all the time to talk about it. And, you know, I feel like It's made Taylor and I, you know, more aware of each other and what we want out of each other. And honestly, like, says he wants to get engaged this year. So I think it worked out pretty well. I didn't fuck up too much. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't fuck up a lot either. So the pandemic definitely made us, but I have seen instances of it breaking people, a lot of people. So we can talk about platonic love, which I have platonic love for you. Um, yes, me too. I've had platonic love for you since we started being friends. I mean, obviously there was a turning point, which was definitely in my freshman year of college. Well, the end, mm-hmm. the end. But, you know, it's actually really funny because I was like telling Niall about like that time of your life. Yeah. And... It was very interesting because I don't I don't think I've ever told him. I don't think you guys have ever talked about it. Yeah. I think I was editing our podcast and we were talking about like being poor and stuff. Yeah. And so he was just like, yeah, I just, I never knew that. I'm like, yeah, like she was living with me for like a month, almost two months. Girl, I was living with you for like the summer. Yeah, I was like most of the summer. And he was just like, really? I'm like yeah dude like and she was living in a motel for a whole year didn't even know about it (laughs) I was like and he was like wow I'm like yeah it was just like it was just very interesting at the end of the day I'm a tough motherfucker that's it no he he did applaud your resilience he really did he was like that's really strong of her I'm like yep because I was like you know she started in this little tiny ass studio now she got this duplex but that just goes to show that um my love for my friends including my best friend is very important i literally wrote tell i love you to all the people in your life like i don't care if it's fucking gay to freaking tell your friends and family i love you every day like i don't understand like that's so fucking stupid yeah we don't spend enough time telling people the people that we care about that we love them enough until they're gone Mm mm-hmm so I definitely agree with that. Like for me, platonic relationships kind of feel the whole for like family because my fam- my friends did carry me a lot through very important times of my life. So I value platonic friendships and relationships so much. However, my sisters are my bitches and I'll do anything for them, no matter how much they piss me off. I'm, I'm a firm believer when it comes to family you can love somebody from afar you don't have to be right next to them all the time you can love them from afar you don't have to like them you can love them but you do not have to like them and you know it's very interesting because I think our aspect of platonic love if there's one person that I see online that I'm just like the build an actual sisterhood it would be Hitomi like Hitomi 
I freaking love this girl, okay? Not only is she banging, okay? She's really pretty. But just her, she's so in touch with herself, her spiritual self, her emotional sense, her emotional self. And when she does videos like her weekend vlogs, the women that she just surrounds herself with is so inspiring. Like these, like I'm, 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 a, I'm kind of a touchy person. I like physical touch, but like mm-hmm. I guess I just like never get that in a platonic way. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I just like I mean for you I get it with you because like we literally go to the club and like we'll just like when a song comes on we'll just bust dancing like we'll freaking cha cha to fucking rap music or some shit you know what I mean? But like. I want more stuff like that. I want, like, I don't know. I guess I kind of just want to, like, sit with, like, another woman and we just kind of, like, flow together or some shit like that. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess, like, when I look at that, like, visually, I really like that because you can just tell that they're really just in an emotional space together and they're they're sitting in that together. And it really feels like a sisterhood. And honestly, I want more platonic love like that that is what I want and it's interesting because like I don't think I'm gonna get it with a friend group if I'm being honest like maybe specific people but like I hope you can get it with me the fuck I mean yeah I do but like you're only one person I want more people like that you know what I mean Mm-hmm. And I guess just like re- just redefining what platonic love looks like to me. Because, like, I love all my friends platonically. Like, they're, I'm very loyal. Like, I'll be loyal to you to a fault, of course. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, friendships really do mean, are really important. But granted, though, my freaking, what is it? Like, one of my planets is in the 11th house, which is all about, yeah, my, my moon sign is leah moon and the 11th house which is all about friends and relationships with people and they've always just been a really important factor in my life like yeah and i I don't know it's just at times it seems like and maybe that's why i rarely i really connect with the aspect of found family yeah i really love stories about found families i feel like my friends are my own found family so to me like and that's why I guess it was just easier to let go of the concept of like familial love or like being blood related to someone. Like I, the only thing connecting us is blood. Like, yeah, you know, I feel that I guess for me, when it comes to that, my love for my platonic or found family <clears throat> comes from like just experiences of familial love, not being enough, just not being what I needed to survive day to day. So my friends came in and filled that whole for me however you know it's okay to grow from you know certain friends like yeah these people were helpful at this portion of your life but does it mean they're going to be helpful for the rest of your life mm-hmm. but yeah my love language is like ranked are definitely going to be words of affirmation quality time acts of service physical touch and gifts last I love words of affirmation I love it when my friends tell me you know, they're proud of me or that they care about me. I love it when Taylor tells me that he loves me and he misses me or I'm beautiful. Just like reminders. And I do definitely feel like love languages probably reflect on um, how you were raised and what kind of languages, you know, what kind of things your family didn't do for you or did for you. Because like, I didn't get a lot of words of affirmation. And that's like the one thing I crave. And as for gifts, I got too much shit as a kid. So... I don't really care about gifts. Oh, okay. I get that. I get that though. My love languages ranked is quality time, acts of service, gifts, basket and bags are my specialties, physical touch and words of affirmation. And if that would be stemmed to what I didn't get a lot as a kid, it would be quality time. I guess more of like emotional quality time. Yeah. That's why I'm such like, sometimes I sit and realize I'm like man like I'm really like I really did not get my emotional needs met as a kid because I can be so avoidant yeah like like literally you're just like I felt like I didn't talk to you today and I'm just like yeah like you like you know like like yeah we talk every day you know what I mean but like still like there's just be times where it's just like 
I just don't reach out to people. And it's just like, that's why like, I really like spending time with people, even if it's just like for a coffee or something, or just like to sit and talk. And I just feel like the older we get, I just want to do just more activity because mm-hmm. like, I don't mind going like for a coffee. Like, I don't mind doing that. It's just like, I just want to, I don't know. I guess I just want to like, just do different activities with different people to like, get to know them you know and so it doesn't seem like mundane so they get bored very easily right easily like, more stimulating right and like it's very interesting how my words words of affirmation are down because like that more needs to be like a self-love language yeah. because like I don't really need my friends or family or anyone else to tell me like because I know it's validation but it's but I know I don't need it you know what I mean like yeah I don't need to I don't need Niall to tell me that he loves me every day I know that he loves me I know that he shows it to me by spending time with me he buys me gifts because I'm I, I like gifts I'm sorry I'm not bitch I'm a Leo moon I'm sorry I like gifts give me a gift like that's fine but you know what I mean so and I like acts of service because like sometimes I just like stuff being done for me. I, I, okay, I like stuff being done for me. Okay. I no, like- I, I feel that with acts of service. As somebody who has to be a mom all the time, sometimes moms need a break mm-hmm. and need their stuff done for them. So I appreciate it when I come home and dinner's made or kitchen's cleaned or I don't know someone made me a snack like right like I guess I guess the only way I can tie down why acts of service is such a big deal to me is because I I literally was hyper independent from a young age mm-hmm. and that's why quality time is important and because I'm, I'm trying to try to be better at being not avoidant and so I literally do everything by myself and I have to I'm actively trying to get out of that mindset of doing everything by myself and so acts of services like really help like the other day I had like freaking three bags of trash in here and me and Niall, we door dashed some stuff, but he was just like, yeah, I'm going to take the trash out. I said, okay. He was like, no, I'm going to take all your trash out. I'm like, but you only got that. He was like, I'm going to take it out. I'm like, thank you. And he took it out and he did other stuff for me and he works on my car and he scratches my windshield. Like, I don't want to do that shit. And then he does it. It's so nice. Like, Yeah you know taylor goes out he'll scrape my car for me or start it for me or he'll i don't know if i'm getting ready to take a shower and i'm just feeling like sad he'll get the water started for me or he'll pick out an outfit to help me out yeah it's not even like a laziness thing either i mean sometimes it is pure laziness because i'm like depressed or whatever Mm -hmm. but like you know it's like acknowledging those things when your partner really starts to like know you and read you and just like picks up on things Mm -hmm. like right now he's downstairs making my making dinner for me because I got too overwhelmed on what to make so he's making it as we speak which is love right there (laughs) and uh he told me that on uh the our anniversary and valentine's day he said I'm making dinner for you every single night so when you come home from work, we can have a romantic dinner for our anniversary and Valentine's Day. I'm like, I love that. That's going to take that time. And like for words of affirmation, I guess for me, I just like to be reminded because as somebody who feels like I'm often forgotten, I like to know that somebody is thinking about me because I go through the motions of my life and do so much day to day. You know, sometimes I want somebody to just say, hey, I see you. You're kicking ass. Good job. Like, I don't know. That stuff, I need that. I need that in my life. Because I didn't get that. Mm -hmm. It was never, like, I was never, not necessarily good enough, but I was never told that I was doing a good job. So I don't think I'm doing a good job when, in fact, I'm doing great. Period. So, like, I want to relate this back to uh, AP language class in high school I thought I was doing a shitty job my professor my teacher did not give me any feedback about my work and how well I was doing it turned out all my papers were A's because she didn't grade until the end of the year so I beat myself up and thought I was fucking sucking because I didn't hear anything I didn't get feedback I love feedback I love Mm -hmm. being told I'm doing a good job but anyways 
<laughs> That's besides the point. This is Valentine's Day, not Teacher Appreciation Day. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. I, yeah, I guess the next thing we can talk about is how our how love is portrayed in the media because we love pop culture, we love media, we love consuming art. Um, I think love the way it's portrayed in the media. It's just there's just so many different portrayals now. Yeah. And I think it's definitely been diversified because the aspect of like what love means, what love looks like, how you show you your love for activities, for people, for events. I I I I like how it's like a step from like rom just rom-coms. Yeah. And like a step from just like two people. Like like have you seen um that series, the love series on Amazon Prime? Mm-mm where basically they did like it was like an anthology series and they would just do like different love scenarios or whatever mm-hmm. and i remember we watched one during class and Anne hathaway started as like a bipolar woman who yeah. started dating and basically like she felt like she she felt like because she was obviously like manic when she would meet these men and then her depressed her depression would come and they would literally just be driven away and she basically got love from a coworker who checked on her and like actively was like put effort into her life. Yeah. And so it, it just showed more of the love of a friend. Yeah. And so like stuff like that or like familial love or how like if you see like a movie or something that's like dedicated to like the love of food, the love of music, filmmaking, art cars like it's just like so many things can be like dedicated to love Mm -hmm. and And that's awesome to see because Mm -hmm. I feel like at least in our parents generation the generations before that love was viewed as a funny thing or something to make fun of almost like love is not real or love is weird love is gay like all these different things and I love that our generation in particular and a little bit older than us they're saying, no, it's okay to love things. Mm-hmm. No matter how cringy it might be, it's okay to love. It's okay to love your partner so much and you talk about them all the time. It's okay to, you know, celebrate your anniversaries, celebrate, you know, somebody getting married, somebody getting engaged, celebrate, you know, just anything and just love it. Something that I really love is obviously seeing the diversity and it's the fact that the gay community is getting their own rom-coms, like getting their own like representation. Granted, it still needs work. I'm tired of seeing uh, sad lesbian period pieces, the forbidden love shit. I'm tired of seeing it. I need some more. I need something better. Nothing predatory. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's amazing. I, I love love. I don't give it out easily, but I do love it. I think I give it out easily. Oh, I feel like over the years no really yeah because like I think for you it's more of like before you would just like give like I love this person this person my best friend blah 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 I think it's more like I like this person you're like you're balancing it out in my opinion from what I've seen <clears throat> I'm an extreme like <laughs> yes that's how I I feel like that's at least from my observations for you yeah that makes sense we can move on to more media that we consume about love we can talk about songs that we love or love songs let's go so here is my list of my favorite love songs i will always love you by our queen the whitney houston written by dolly parton yes but the uh, the whitney version is superior i'm sorry most definitely it's the it's the superior version and then we got l-o-v-e by nat king cole this is going to be me and Niall's first dance song. Okay. Because, and you know why I love this song so much? Parent Trap. Parent Trap. On brand. On brand. I And why I get married to. Or why I get married. Not why I get married to. Anyway. um, <laughs> uh, Because You Love Me and the Power of Love by our woman, Queen Celine Dion. Okay. That feels like crooner music, low-key. Like, crooner pop music or some shit. I don't know. Yes. Like, classic. And I have You're Still the One by Shania Twain. Miss Shania. That song is a banger. And I put Heaven Set by Keisha Cole. 
<laughs> and then I put How Do I Live by Leanne Rhymes. Oh, that song. But yeah, those are the, and then I have um Love Sweet Love by Little Mix. Now this song is more of a self-love anthem, which yeah. I like because Little Mix is, you know, one of probably the best vocal pop groups, girl groups that went severely under the radar. Okay. And like I kind of like that song. It's very much like, um, I'm gonna care about myself, don't give a shit about anyone else. And then there's this one song called Obsession by Headley, which is like, well, obsession. That's not really how is that really like it's not really a good love song. But there's this one line that I've been obsessed with, and it's there's something about your love that I love, and I love that one, that lyric. Like I really I told myself I would never get a cheesy lyric tattooed on me. But that is the only exception because I really like that lyric. Like that lyric is just so, I like, it's just peaceful to me. Yes. So here are my love songs. I have uh, You, You, You by Field Medic. I think that's definitely going to be Taylor and I's uh, slow dance song. Every time we listen to it, we go into tears because it's just so sweet. It's so beautiful. And he's just talking about, like, you know, our love is, you know, when you're drinking a glass of wine and your eyes light up, like, all these different things, and it's things that we experience. This Must Be the Place by Talking Heads, hands down greatest love song to me. Um, It's talking about how love can be at home, love can be with the person that you're with, love can be on the road, love is love, and, you know, love is here with you and forever a good song come and get your love by redbone i love that song it's so good i am a sucker for like 70s 60s 70s like love songs very good as the world falls down by david bowie from the movie labyrinth that one's really good it's essentially just talking about um like the world can be falling down but i'm still going to catch you so good so good i remember that scene in that movie feudal devices by sufjan stevens that one's beautiful too. It's very soft. Um, Let's Stay Together by Al Green. Like I said, I do love those older love songs. <clears throat> I love Summer Wine by Lee Hazelwood and Nancy Sinatra. That's a really good song. It's not necessarily like I'm in love with you, but it's like, you know, we're going to make love. We're going to have fun. We're going to fuck around. I'm going to steal your money. That's it. Um <laughs> There's like one more. I have so many like love songs. Fun fact, y'all. I actually have a playlist from when Taylor and I first started dating and I've been adding music onto it for the last uh, three years. It has five hours of music so far. So I'm going to keep adding it until the end of time. I Love How You Love Me by Jeff Magnum. He is a former lead singer of Neutral Milk Hotel. And it's just, again, I love how you love me. All those things that also brings me to tears. Especially the live version. But yeah, those are my love songs. I have a lot more because I love love like that. Love, love. I am a Scorpio Venus, okay? Me and I mess- are both Capricorn Venuses, which I think is so interesting. Taylor's an Aquarius Venus, which is interesting. We should dedicate an episode just exploring our charts. <laughs> yes, period. We should. Adding that to the list. Um... Okay, so the next thing I have on here for books, I don't, I, I'm not a big romance reader or movie watcher. Like, I just do not care for rom-coms or books. But the only book I have on here is The Invisible Life of Ayla Rue because that, okay, It Ends With Us is also kind of a love story, but, like, they're both kind of fucked stories. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I know. Like, I think, like, when I was looking at the list for books, and then even movies, I was like, all of them are fucked up. Yeah, like, they're not, like, even looking at my list of movies, like, they're, it. Shape of Water is good. That's a good one. The Shape of Water is good, but, like, it's just, romance books and movies, they just don't do it for me, and, like, and I guess I I just don't know if maybe there's like something deeper at to, at play, like, you know, because like I guess it's either like you've been alone for such time that all you do is read or watch move romance movies, or you just don't. 
and I fell into the don't category because I just don't care. Now there's like characters that are like in you know a relationship or a, a whirlwind romance or a freaking affair. I, I mean I'm into that. That's steamy, but like I'm not <laughs> I don't I'm not for the um rom-com genre. Yeah, like like you're right, like yeah, there's like a whole bunch of like gay movies that especially lesbian movies are set in the freaking 1800s but i'm not gonna lie that one movie come not come from away but uh, it has vanessa kirby and i can't remember it but like these lesbians well they're both married to men and they live in like the 1830s and they have this like romance that was a good one because that felt like belonging between the women and there wasn't even any nudity nudity until literally the last five minutes of the movie like it did not feel exploitative at all. I just cannot remember the name. Um, that's a good movie. I like that. I loved Portrait of a Lady on Fire because one, it was written by a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Two, the lesbian's girlfriend or wife was in the movie. Like, it was good. It was sad. Of course, the longing. That's all it is. Honestly, but. Unfortunately, on fire was just kind of all right to me. I don't know. I cried. I cried. Like, I really liked the filmmaking. Like the cinematography was breathtaking, and like, yeah, I I, I can see the longing, but I don't know. It's just, it just. It's I, like I guess for me watching it, the stories that fucking swoop me in are the forbidden love shit. It's like things that should not be happening and they they happen and then it has to end so quickly. I don't know. Something about that always gets me. It gets me in. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm predictable. I like me. I love enemies to lovers. I hate myself, but I do like I love me a good workplace romance that like they just hate they hate each other they gotta hate fuck each other like i love obviously i love uh stories where like people see each other in and out through time because that was my fucking relationship that is my relationship <laughs> and they end up finally getting together so obviously i'm a sucker for that shit man there's a lot there's a lot I used to love like I can't tell you last time I actually read like a romance romance book I haven't in years but in uh, high school and middle school that was my shit it was all fantasy vampires fallen angels there's this one book I read it was like Romeo and Juliet but Romeo and Juliet like traveled through time and they had to like find each other through time like they traveled to like modern day and that shit was wild I still think about it I wanted a movie so bad but yeah I don't really have a lot of like books but as a person that was raised on rom-coms by my mother and my grandma Richard Gere Kevin Costner like bodyguard any Richard Gere movie of I watched a lot of romance movies huh the bodyguard goes hard it really does I I I do do watch that that. I do like that one because that I I still feel like it falls to enemies to lovers like they fucking hate each other basically and then yeah yeah, you're so right (laughs) (laughs) um honestly one of my favorite one of my I almost said decoms one of my favorite rom-coms is Think Like a Man, which is so funny because, like, if you really think about it, Steve Harvey was on that um, alpha male shit way back when. Right. <laughs> Fuck Kevin Samuels. Like, because, like, this old book that he writes to women, like, it's full, it's it's just giving alpha shit. Like, but the movie itself is very fucking funny. It's so funny. Like, that's peak Kevin Hart, you cannot change my mind. And it was a stacked, it was a stacked fucking cast. You had Terrence J, Kevin Hart, you had that white dude from Entourage, 
You had another white dude from Entourage. You had Michael Ely, Gabrielle Union, Taraji P. Henson, Regina Hall, Wendy Williams. This movie was stacked. And like the and I and I think what's very funny too, because like all the men that like basically read the book so they can like cheat their wives and girlfriends to get what they want ends up backfiring them in in the process. Right. And right. so like to me, like it was just it's just so funny. It's just such a funny movie. Like that movie will never not be funny. Like that movie's funny. There's also another movie I really enjoy called What's Your Number? And it has Anna Ferris and Chris Evans. And basically Anna Ferris reads an article in the magazine that's saying that 20 like is your number of people that you slept with and so she's at number 19 and so basically the the the, what the article said that once you hit number 20 you're basically never going to like find your dream man like that's not going to happen and so basically what she does is she goes back through all the men she dated and tries to like rekindle something and funny enough chris pratt was in this movie when they were married i just find that so funny because like in like the movie they kept bumping into each other yeah like well even after she found out that he was getting married and it was just like so awkward like like it was a running gag in the movie it was actually kind of funny and like you would think like chris evans and anna ferris but oddly enough they work like they work they're neighbors they're neighbors and like they don't hate each other per se they're kind of more like nuisance to each other but like basically he helps her find these guys that she used to date and then in turn he she helps him with like women that he dates and it's just like it shouldn't work but it does and chris evans like yeah he's hot but he has like that cool guy like aspect to him in these movies like he has the spiked hair so he's not like he's not steve rogers yet this is like one year before no this was the yeah this is one year before captain rogers so he kind of has that like you know that like spunky kid type of vibe so like he can kind of get away with that and plus anna ferris is is a a nice looking woman like i don't know i guess just like they really could work like i mean he dated jenny slate and like jenny slate and anna ferris they're kind of similar like you know what i mean like i could like i picture them together long story short if you haven't seen it go watch it (laughs) you know what I'm going to hop in here real quick about a couple other love movies because I'm looking at like just romance movies in general and all I've seen, I've seen a lot of them. Uh, The Before Sunset trilogy with Ethan Hawke. Again, it feeds into my thing of meeting somebody and never seeing them again, only to see them again. Okay, it feeds into that. One day starring fucking Anne Hathaway again, meeting somebody, seeing them over the years. Titanic, meeting somebody one night, never seeing them again. Ella Enchanted. Okay. Okay. Enemies to lovers right there. Literally, I fucking love Ella Enchanted. I watched that movie so much when I was younger. I that movie goes hard. And Hathaway's a queen. Can we also talk about the time travel movies? Like, why are they? Why do they exist? Why 13 going on 30 was such a good movie? Why? Never seen it. Never. Oh. It seems like something you would have watched. Man. The more I'm looking at all of these, I'm messy because I've seen like a bulk of them. 500 Days of Summer. Summer was not the villain. It was Tom. Never seen it. (laughs) Tom was the villain. Anywho, let's get on to our favorite date ideas so I can go to bed. (laughs) Okay. So, so my top date things that I typically do, Taylor and I definitely go to museums a lot. That's like a big thing. We love learning things. We love seeing things. We, if we go to a new city that's like on our list, go to their art museum or whatever museum they got. We like cooking together, cooking for each other. We definitely do movie dates a lot. But the big thing that we do is travel. We are travel people. We will try to go somewhere at least once every couple months, whether it's even in our state or states away. We are travel people. And that's how we intend to be. Also, it's not necessarily like dates, but we definitely like to spend a lot of time together at home. So we'll watch a movie at home or we've been getting into the habit of reading together before bed and it's lovely. It's great. And taking baths together. We do that too. Cool. 
cute. Um, me and Niles' dates, we're honestly very simple. And I only say this because we like vastly different things. So it's very hard planning a date night or we just ha- it just has to be more like we just have to plan more into it. But we love painting together. Painting is really fun. We do watch a lot of movies. Something we love to do is just watch franchises together. Like we are heavily in the James Bond one. Like we're going to watch the next one the next time we're together probably tomorrow maybe friday i i love i love re- at least like this one's new that we're watching but like we watched the whole mcu together and like i've already seen like 90 percent of it when he started so i yeah. guess it's just like nice to like watch and like niall is really not a big movie person like me and so just re-watching movies or just watching movies together is just like he like has like calls all the plot holes and like what's going on with this and what does this mean and da da and it's just like fun to like talk it over with him and stuff. Um, we do like going on food dates. We eat out a lot. Okay, not a lot, but we like we eat out. But also when we cook, I love cooking with him. Like we want to do it more, but we we get lazy. But we, we're working on it. Niall loves playing games, video games with me, and he um loves when we play video games together. Like um. He likes sports games, so no, uh, no uh, first shooter over here. It's all MLB the show, uh, NCAA, oh, not NCAA, um, NFL, NBA, 2K, but I don't mind playing those. It's actually kind of fun, especially NBA. That's actually fun. And the NFL one, too, I'm not going to lie. Honestly, we really just do a lot of dates that's, like, cheap because we just don't do big things. Like, if we do big things, like, we do travel, but only if it's, like, our anniversary. Like, after that, we don't really do that. And so, we do a lot of shopping dates, too. That's fun. We're simple. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're travel bitches. Like, well, that's something that we, like, put effort into. Because we like seeing things. We like doing things. Meeting new people. We love that shit. hmm But, yeah. I guess this wraps up our Valentine's Day special. Make sure you tell people that you love them. Yes, because tomorrow is never promised. And this is me just saying, I love you, Joan. Have a good night, friend. It was fun. (laughs) I love you too, Melly. Have a good night. Happy Valentine's Day.